Good evening. The calm Christian here. Keeping on and carrying on. Keeping calm and carrying on. In a world that's very turbulent and very fast-paced. I hope everyone had a wonderful Tuesday. I did. I got some money back and used it to pay down some, some bills. I guess I'm not, even though I work at the bank I'm, as a programmer, I'm not very financially savvy. And I've come to realize that, oh, um, the credit cards I have, the interest rate is too high. And I had the credit cards that I have because I wanted to get points. You know, I wanted to get these points so I could go on trips and things like that. But I realized I haven't really gone on trips. I guess I'm more of a homebody. And I've come to realize it's best to have a credit card that has very low interest rate, as low as you can get. Because if you're holding debt, you want to make sure that the interest that's accruing on that debt is as uh, low as possible. And I didn't really realize that. And I swapped, I applied for one card to swap it out and try to pay off one card with the other card to be able to put the debt load on a different card, but with a slower, a much less amount of interest so that was kind of good not only did i get some money today but i've sort of been given a financial strategy which now that i think about it why didn't i think of it before but i guess i'm a little slow but i do thank my father in heaven for you know showing me for finally getting into my head for being able to go to the bank and i was advised about this so i do thank the lord for that I also want to thank YouTube for giving me an idea today. And um, when I downloaded YouTube, no, not YouTube, sorry, YouVersion, YouVersion Bible, which is by Life Church, I think it's a really wonderful Bible app. But I'm sure that other people have Bible apps that isn't as near and dear to them. But I guess I began a practice, which was to get up in the morning, look at the daily video, and read the Bible verse there. And even look at the ch the kids' experience. They have a video there too, which is kind of fun. You know, it's built for kids. But they also have somebody doing some funny stuff. And then also reading out a video. And they're really, really good. And I guess as a Christian, you're always going to have the child in you. And always have that soft heart. And I guess I credit version for being able to provide an answer. And the version scripture today was the following. Uh, it was a verse in 1 Peter 3, and it is, so I can find it, oh, 1 Peter 3, and it says, well, I'll read verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For, for, for verse 10, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And I guess what struck me was 1 Peter 3.10, which, you know, the speaker in the video said that as a Christian, people may say some very 
unnice things about you, very unhealthy things. And I guess for anybody or for me, I get upset. I get upset very quickly. I get frustrated and I lose control and I fire back. And I think that's the natural human inclination. But I know that I have to develop self-control. And I guess I was very pricked by this because it was like the video was speaking to me. And especially in my family, um, you know, me emerging from a religious system that I believe is, is wrong and false. And they're under the old covenant and they were put there by this person that started the church that I was born into. And I feel that she is a toxic narcissist, an antichrist. First John 2, 18 and 19, I feel that. And her opinions became the, quote, Bible canon, unquote, of the church that I came from. And her opinions about people going to church on a Sunday, because we rent on the Sabbath day, Saturday, and we justify that we are doing right and everybody else is wrong or inferior to us. And the narrative was, well, they have the mark of the beast. And those are her opinions. And the mark of the beast is mentioned in Revelation 13. We don't know what the beast system is. We don't know what, who the Antichrist is. He has not yet manifested himself. Or, we, or if he is in the world and he, if he is famous, we don't yet know who he is. So we don't know what the mark of the beast actually is. We know there's a mark of the beast. You can't buy or sell. I mean, John, 1 John says that the spirit of the Antichrist has gone out into the world. And even in the Bible, in, in Genesis, Cain killed his brother Abel. And then uh, he said to God, my punishment is more than I can bear. And God said, I'm putting a mark on you that no man that sees you will, will, um, will want to hurt you. And maybe also Cain had a mark, a physical mark on his body somewhere, a deformity, a mutation. We don't know what it means in the Old Covenant. There was some kind of a, a physical mark. But the mark of the beast in the New Covenant is what? Is it some kind of radio? We were thinking, or people were thinking, speculating it's some kind of chip. It's something to do with a world religion. Something that's obvious. Something in the forehead or the hand. I was thinking the mark of the beast is some kind of sign of disobedience. You know, you know the fruits of disobedience, but you don't know what the mark actually is and so in the church i grew up from the the toxic what i believe to be slander was people who go to church on sunday on sun day uh to commemorate jesus they're the ones who are actually wrong and that's the mark of the beast and that really really upset me when i got to be an uh, older person an older man and i would hear that it didn't sit right with me like it's one thing to have a different opinion with other Christians, but that did not sound like an opinion. It sounded like a shot. It sounded like a, a slander. It sounded like a very high amount of disrespect. And studying with the Baptists um, that I started 20, 25 years ago, it was like, I don't really feel that. I mean, I didn't feel that going to church on Sunday was correct. I felt that I'm supposed to go to church on the Sabbath, on Saturday, that's in the Ten Commandments. And even though Jesus rose on Sunday, and I recognize that, we as human beings, as Christians, we're not allowed to decide the day to go to church. 
you had to go on the Sabbath. You had to keep the Sabbath very, quote, holy, unquote, where you couldn't do secular activities. And as I read the Bible and matured and became an older person and some of the conversations I had with Christians, I realized that that's not in the Bible. You are allowed to decide what day to go to church and you are allowed to decide how to keep uh, a Sabbath and what your Sabbath would be. And it's like a rest day. It's not a date that you have to feel guilty or that God is going to ding you or pulverize you because you don't act a certain way. And it could be Saturday, but it doesn't have to be Saturday. And I came to realize, believe that that merited narrative, the mark of the beast was wrong and that the person who said it, it came from her. It didn't really come from the denomination that I was born into. It came from this lady's mind and head and heart because she was either possessed by the devil or possessed by a very great sense of self-righteousness. Whatever I say goes, and that's what I think, and everybody who's a member of my church has to believe it. Well, I don't. But hearing my family members say that about Christians, about Baptists, really, really upset me. And I guess when things upset me, I would fire back and retort. And that is my long-winded point that I'm trying to say to you is that as a Christian, people will say very unkind, very false things, very slanderous things about you. They will tarnish and blackball your reputation. And it's not fair and it's never been fair. And you may have to endure that. Not only may you have to endure it but first peter 3:10 is saying don't you fire back don't you be like those people if people do that to you that's wrong but it betrays the fact that they don't have the spirit of jesus in them the spirit of loveliness they have the spirit of toxicity they have the spirit of self-centeredness they have the spirit of self-righteousness they have the spirit that i can say or want what I do to anybody else, but I get a free pass. I'm not doing anything wrong. Or I'm defending God and I'm, I'm calling you name or um, demeaning your particular faith. And it would really upset me. And not only was I amazed that about this verse, because I was very impressed this morning about it. It actually was written and came from Peter. We assume that Peter wrote or dictated first and second Peter. Um, many theologians believe that he certainly dictated that to John Mark in the book of Mark. And so the book of Mark was written by John Mark, but it was actually, it was sort of Peter's witness, Peter's eye account of the gospel. Or Peter had a very great hand in contributing his own personal observations about Jesus to John Mark. And when I think about this, this is even further made um, impressive to me because the speaker in the video on version. so I must give version real credit for this video because I really enjoyed it and really made me think that Peter is actually getting this from Psalm 34. So... I, I sometimes think of Peter as kind of a loud mouth. 
He just, you know, shot from the hip. Uh, he was unfiltered. He just talked first and then regretted it later. And, but as the, as I was reminded on you version, that he's actually quoting from Psalm 34. Now, is he quoting, does he have the Old Testament lying around as he's talking or dictating First and Second Peter, or is it in his memory? What I'm trying to say is, you know, I saw the movie Jesus of Nazareth with Robert Powell as Jesus in 1981, and James Ferentino, who was a very great actor uh, in America, I believe he was Italian, he was on Dynasty too. I believe that James Ferentino was an actor on Dynasty. Don't quote me, but I believe he was. And so he played Peter in, in Jesus of Nazareth. So you meet Peter in the movie. He's coming in a ship. He's docking. And he is just yelling at everybody. These Romans, we pay taxes. Everybody's paying taxes these days. Everybody's a holy man. He's just really angry and really loud. He's like the kind of guy when you say, um, you know, a, 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 a potty mouth. You know, a sail, a sailor's potty mouth, like speaking like a sailor, like anything comes out of his mouth, any profanity, you would think it would have to be him. Because in the movie, he doesn't say profanities, of course, but you're thinking he's as close to the possibility. Like of all the apostles, he's the loudest. I mean, he is the most prof. He could have been the most profane. You know, the Bible even did say that he was saying with curses that he denied Jesus. So I, what was coming out of his mouth before he ever met Jesus? And James Farentino must have said, okay, you know what? I want to portray Peter the way I think he should be portrayed. Because he's just yelling as he comes across that, you know, across that sea. He's docking his boat. He hasn't caught any fish. He's super frustrated, super tired. He's mad at everybody. And then his brother, Andrew, the quiet guy says, Peter, this was the guy I was telling you about. And so Peter's just looking at Andrew played by an actor, I don't know the actor's name. And then he's looking at Jesus, played by Robert Powell, and he's just like, oh, another holy man. Oh, there's a, this guy, you followed that guy last week, and there was another guy before that, and now it's this guy. Oh, hey, Mr. Holy Man, you can preach to the fishes. Because he's so angry, he hasn't made any catch. And I'm thinking, yep, I think he nailed Peter. And yet, Peter is quoting from Psalm 34. So I'm wondering, is it because he's Jewish and had a really good mind? Did, was he taken to synagogue as a child? Like, was he totally irreligious? It wouldn't make sense. Everybody would have to be going to the synagogue as a child. Even if you were a loud, um, bombastic fisherman, maybe your parents were still Jewish and they still took you to the synagogue because you still had to have our bar mitzvah. You had to go through the cultures and everybody had to go to synagogue when they were a kid. It would be so funny if Peter was kind of like a pastor's kid and all due all apologies to the pastor's kids. When I grew up in, in church, anytime he had somebody who was, quote, a pastor's kid, he was always a total rebel. He was like in the Sabbath school or in church, but he was always causing trouble. And they'd say, yep, he's a pastor's kid. And the reason given was, well, you know, his father is a pastor. And so everybody's comparing him to his father. And now he has to be, you know, he has to be rebellious. He has to prove to everybody that he's his own man. But wouldn't it have been funny if Peter was inwardly rebellious, but yet he was kind of forced to go to synagogue for, I don't want to go, mom. 
Peter, Peter, we've talked about this. You know that your father and I go to synagogue every Sabbath and you're supposed to go with us because that's what everybody's doing. Now stop fussing and we are going to synagogue now, please. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be, it would be equally funnier if he was actually a very good student. What if, what if as a, a young man, he heard the Bible verses, retained them through his intellect, liked going to church, but maybe somewhere down the line, he became disenfranchised about church. Oh, it's just religion. I hate all this. It's just foolishness. I can't wait to get out of this. I, I'm sick of all this theory. I'm sick of all these rabbis reading all this stuff. I just want to get out into the real world and make money and be my own man. And I'm sick of this because he seems to be very, very, very irreligious when Andrew in the movie introduces him to Jesus. Oh, another holy man. Oh, okay, you can preach to the fishes. And Andrew says, come on, Simon, don't talk like that. Just listen to him. And, and, and James Farentino, Peter, is just vicious. He's just angry about life, about everything. He hasn't caught anything. And it's so interesting to read Psalm 34. It says here, in verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Verse 11, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Verse 12, what man is there who desires life and loves many good days that he may see good? Verse 13, keep your tongue from evil. So Peter, in 1 Peter 3.10, is actually quoting from Psalm 34, verse 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Verse 18, and I know that I read this recently. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord wants me to control my tongue and my temper. So easy to say, so hard to do. And yet one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. I must have self-control. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I say. Remember, I'm just talking to myself out loud on a podcast. And if you happen to be one that's listening, I hope that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in between my words. Because you have to think and you have to go into the silence with God because God is close to you. You know it. You can feel it. 
when the silence surrounds you and you hear your own heart beating in your ears, you know that God is there. You know that this is not a dream. The Bible is too well constructed. The story about Jesus dying on the cross is too authentic and yet it's so bizarre that God would do it that way. Only God could do it that way. Only God could take defeat and turn it into ultimate victory. What a shock must have been on the devil's face that first Sunday when one of his angels tapped him. Uh, Lucifer, <coughs> excuse me, sir. Um, uh, excuse me, uh, sir. I was like, what do you want, you groveling worm? Uh, just, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but you know that tomb, you know that whole, you know, Jesus thing, we had that nailed down, we had him dead. Yeah, yeah, he was dead on the cross. Yeah, he wasn't moving on Friday. So, well, <clears throat> we have reports that, uh, <clears throat> well, what do you want? Spit it out, man. You know, spit it out. Uh, well, sir, uh, the uh, tomb is, uh, uh, the rock is gone. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Uh, well, it's not, it's, it's really kind of ludicrous, sir, but... Uh, well, I hate to say this, but uh, yeah, the body's missing. <laughs> what? I'm sure Satan yelled much louder than Peter could have ever have cursed. I'm sure that Satan popped his cork on that first Sunday. He blew his stack. You know, with the cartoons where the guy gets so blinking angry that smoke comes out of his ears his eyes bulge out of his head like gigantic eggs. And then the top of his head just kind of does a little flip and flips on his head like a volcano coming off. And then it just does a somersault and goes right back on his head again, like those Jewish cartoons. <laughs> I'm sure Satan flipped his lid because he thought he won and he ended up in the space of three days losing completely. Jesus won and anybody with Jesus will win too even a loudmouth like Peter who when he was a kid studied his lessons especially Psalm 34 even a loudmouth like myself who wants to do right and whatever your situation whoever you are even you will win you're on the winning team, no matter what you feel. God wants your affections through your afflictions. Sometimes I feel like I stick out and I don't belong anywhere. And that's God's way of saying, I don't want you to be happy in this world. I don't want you to get too comfortable. Because when I come in the sky in Revelation 19.11, you're coming home with me and you're never leaving ever again. God bless.